Just tell them, may the Lord bless you this morning. May the Lord keep you this morning. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Let him give you peace. Let him lift up his countenance upon your life. Let him make his face shine upon your life. Enjoy the service this morning. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's get seated. Thank you, worship him. We bless the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. What an awesome morning and what an awesome day to be alive. Amen. We thank God for his grace, for his grace. His grace has kept us this far. Without Jesus, I don't know who would we be. We are who we are purely, purely by the grace of God. Amen. So it's good to see in God's house. Just one more Sunday and 2020 is over. And I pray that it can go with its COVID. Amen. We can have our life back. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. As we continue on how to face setbacks in life, we have one more uh, sermon, which is what we are going to finish the year with. And we are going to pray. And we are going to go into 2021. With all the confidence that God would do what he said he would do. Somebody say amen. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. If you found it, say amen. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the porter's house and there I'll cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the porter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the porter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the porter to make. Verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this porter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the porter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. Amen. Hallelujah. We have dwelt here, we came from First Samuel chapter 30, looking at a life of a wonderful man called David, and that story took us all the way to Jeremiah 18, when the Lord started speaking to us, how can we bounce back in life? How can we face setbacks in life and take our life back and become everything that God intended us to become? Amen. And... I think what I've been saying over the past few weeks is that no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens in your life, God is able to fix 
our lives back and restore what the enemy has stolen. If the enemy has never stolen anything from you, I wish you were, but I know he has stolen quite some things from me. And when I read a scripture like this, I go like, God, may you be praised. We've seen that our lives are works in progress. We've seen that even though we are in God's hands, things can go wrong with our lives. But we have also seen that God is able to redesign our lives. And when we truly repent, God is more than able to start afresh with us. Last night, as I was preparing for the service, something came very clear to me. Salvation is for free. You believe in Christ, you confess with the mouth, you're saved. But making him Lord, it's a conscious decision. And there are many people who are served of whom Jesus is not Lord. Amen? Many, many people. And somehow the Lord was speaking to me and go like, it would be a very big surprise for some people. We come into heaven and we are walking and you walk past Jesus and you don't know he's Jesus. Because you never made him Lord. So when God begins to talk about, I can redesign your life. I can fix your life back. I can restore you. It means you need to give him room for him to do more in your life. Salvation alone is just the beginning. Hallelujah. And we have looked at three things. How we can start again in life. When things have gone haywire, we are a child of God. The Holy Spirit still lives in us. But things have happened in our lives. How can we start again? Number one, we said we need to be humble enough to receive the grace of God. When you believe in yourself too much, it's tough to receive God's grace. Number two, we said we have to learn to forgive ourselves and forgive others. Accept God's forgiveness. You're not the best thing that happened after Adam and Eve. You're still a work in progress. And number, last week we looked at, we have to learn useful lessons. And that's what we used last week to take some time to pray. Today I want to talk about two things and then we'll pray about those two things and a few others. And I pray by God's grace that I can be quick so that we can have enough time for prayer. So number four, you have, To create a positive, constructive, encouraging, affirmative, progressive environment around you. You have to make sure that you are an environment that is constructive, encouraging, and progressive. The setting has to be that kind of environment. It will be very, very difficult for you to rise up again if you stay in an environment where you fell from. If I can use that example. The environment that you are in determines the world you live in. If you live, uh, I was talking to my son early morning today. And uh, and he was telling me a few things. So we, we went on and then we we're talking about Malawi. And he's like, 
that looking at this and I'm thinking about Malawi and I'm saying we have got a long way to go. And then I said, but you can live in Malawi and think that this is what the world is all about. You can live, if you have, if, I, 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 we farm in Mchinji. And there are people who have begged me from the village where we farm in Mchinji who have said, Bwana, for them, their world ends around the village. The farthest they have gone, possibly, is a trading center called Ndema. Even in Chinjiboma, they haven't seen it. That's all they know. So sometimes you can be in an environment and think this is all there is about life. But I can always, I can assure you, there is more to life than what you know. Hallelujah. So the environment you are in is critical. The environment you choose to put yourself in is very, very critical whether you are going to bounce back after a setback or not. Amen. Number one, you can't start with negativity. You can't. And you cannot bounce back in life with a mindset of negativity. Because when things happen and you've been beaten and beaten hard, you can develop a certain kind of mindset. That can make you not to rise up. When you are in a certain kind of environment, you begin to expect some things. And the things you expect always, always, always is what you receive. Amen? Job one time in Job 3.25. His children have died. His cows are gone. His sheep are gone. His camels are gone. The man was blameless. The man was upright. The man was righteous. The man feared God. The Bible gives us those four adjectives about Job. But in Job 3.25, Job says these words. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has come to me. So even though he was righteous, even though he was upright, even though he feared God, even though he was blameless, even though he was the greatest of all the men in the east, Job tells us, he makes a confession that there was a thing he feared most and there was a thing that he dreaded the most and that thing happened to him. What, what, what you expect most of the time is what you receive. Amen? So Paul writes then to the Philippians and he says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and 9, he says, finally brethren, finally brethren, this is about the mindset. This is, this is the kind of thing you say, Lord, I'm creating a certain kind of atmosphere here. I'm creating a certain kind of environment. I know what has happened. My business is gone. My marriage is gone. My family is gone. My church is gone. My job is gone. But God, I'm creating a certain kind of environment. And this is what Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. He says, finally brethren, whatever things are true. 
whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things, whatever, whatever things, if there is a good report, if there is, if there is any virtue, if there is any asset, if there is any benefit, if there is anything praiseworthy, think, meditate, contemplate, ponder, consider, and reflect upon these things. This is what you have to think about. The things Paul writes, which you learned, which you received, which you heard, which you saw in me. These things do, and the grace and the peace and the God of peace will be with you. So you are in that environment. But you begin to check and go like, okay, but what is true? And I'm going to tell you what is true. Irrespective of what happens to us. The other week we talked about shame. But even though you may be suffering shame, I want to tell you there are some things which is the truth. And the devil can do nothing about it. Hallelujah. Paul says, whatever is true. And you will find truth. You will find truth in only one place in the whole wide world in the Bible. She says, whatever is, is, is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there is a good report, whose report do you believe? And Ron Kenori says, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Because the report of the Lord says, we are free. The report of the Lord says, we are healed. And the moment you are saying, I am healed, is at the time that things are haywire. When you are saying it is well, there is nothing well about what you are talking about. But you say it is well. It's because it is the truth. Hallelujah. And he says these things do. You learned, you saw, you received, and you heard them from me. These are the things you need to focus on and dwell on. What is that telling us? You have a choice of the thoughts you allow in your life. You have absolute choice. What, what thoughts do I want to allow in my life? No wonder the battlefield of life is the mind. And I want to tell you, control what you think. Amen? Control what you think. The other week, I told you and said, like, you know what? Sometimes when it comes to the point that you can't pray, you can't pray, you can't pray. Just begin singing. You will be amazed how you begin to break through just by singing. A simple song as, you are holy. Holy are you, Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb. You just sing that song, even you see the Lord begin to come through because you know what? Life comes whereby even prayer doesn't flow. Amen? So, what do you need to do? How do you do all these things? Number one, Develop an atmosphere of self-acceptance. It is how break, heartbreaking how you find many children of God who do not accept themselves for who they are. You can't be Pastor McDuff. And I can't be you. When God finished creating and he said there's going to be a McDuff period in the world, this is exactly how he thought he was going to look like. 
You may have thought my nose needed to be here. That's your issue. For God, he said it had to be here. Hallelujah. Whether you have a big nose and a small nose, you speak like Chinese, you are God's creation. And accept yourself and say, this is the best that God could create. As far as he was concerned about Sunganani. Hallelujah. This is, this is me. The biggest battle you will face when you suffer a setback in life is the battle about self-confidence. That's the biggest battle. The shame issue we talked about the other week, it's all about self-confidence. Because when you have suffered divorce, I haven't suffered and I will not suffer. I refuse. But when you suffer divorce, when your business is gone, when your church is gone, when you have all these tags that people put upon people's lives, people actually can carry that message throughout their life. They can actually think that they go to the market, everybody thinks, oh, she's divorced. You know, he just lost the business. You know, he just goofed. You know, he just committed adultery. You know, she just cheated. You know, he just stole. You know, he just came back from prison. You know, he, he has just been, he just came out of drugs. You can actually begin to think that everybody knows your story. But I want, to, I want you to know something today. Why the Bible is, why I'm saying control what you think. Most of the times we waste your, our time thinking that people think about us when they don't. They've got their own issues to deal with. Hallelujah. There is absolutely no time that people sit down and say, okay, so now let me sit down and think about Tammy. They don't have time. They don't. With this corona, they don't. They're thinking about all their own money. They're thinking about where am I going to get school fees? Where am I going to get food? Where am I going to do? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? And you are there thinking, they are thinking about, no, they don't. The ones who do, then they are very idle. They have no issues. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is you can't come back and win in life if you have a negative mindset. Hallelujah. If you have a negative mindset about yourself, you can't win and come back in life. I want you to understand KICC. Truth is what God says. That is the truth. Facts are not always true. Facts are not always true. And people may say whatever they may say. But I want you to know what the truth is. The truth is you are a child of God. And God says you, your life is in my hands. You are a work in progress. You are not yet perfect. And, and I want you to know. I want you to know. In this life, as we continue to walk with, with the Lord, he begins to work on us time and time and time. There are some stupid decisions I have made in my life before that today I can't make them again. You remember last week I said the deeper the, 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 the deeper the card, the more you remember. The more the painful the experience, the more you remember. And I gave you several examples. But you cannot carry on with that. You are a child of God, created in his image, and the other truth is that God 
holds the future for you. That is, that is the truth. No matter what you're going through, no matter what may have happened, no matter, no matter you brought that thing upon yourself, no matter what happened, God holds the, tr- the future for you. You are his child. His spirit lives in you. And he has a plan for your life. And you were created in his image. You were not created in the image of a God. Otherwise, you'd have been saying, meh, on the streets. But the more, the, as long as you say, how are you? I am fine. You are a human being. You are a child of God. Created in God's own image. And sometimes you need to stand in front of the mirror and say, the best of God's creation. Hallelujah. If you don't accept yourself, who is going to accept you? Hallelujah. Who is going to accept you? Number two, after you create that atmosphere of self-acceptance, you need to develop new friends. You need to develop new friends. Sometimes just keep one or two of the old friends if you want. If you want. One is more than enough. Two, maybe too much. But if you really, really want, this is what you have to do. Develop more friends of where you are now. And most importantly, develop more friends for your future. You know, God gives us this grace that as we begin to walk through life, we get to a certain stage that you know, Alipo is going where I am going. Sunga is going where I am going. This one is going where I am going. Those are the friends you begin to develop. Because there is one good thing about it. They are first battles in life. At least they have matured. And chances of them making stupid decisions are at least maybe 5%. If it happens, it happens. But at least, you know, these ones, they are first the battles of life. And if they can talk like this, I think we are on the right path. Amen? Seek for such kind of people. Most of the time, mentors. Mentors are people who have walked the journey you are walking on. They have faced some battles. They have overcome. And they can tell you, I have been here before. Amen? Let them encourage you about your vision. Not you are telling people about your vision and they go like, hey, hey, uh-huh. They are not going where you are going. Hallelujah. Look for new friends who have been through what you are going through and they have been victorious. There was a time when I was reading lords and lords of books about Abraham Lincoln. Because, because there were things that he had gone through. And, and, and I was like, this guy handled issues like this. At least I can learn from him. I absorbed myself in books of, of Miles Monroe. To try to get wisdom. How does he think? I had to listen to messages of people like Dr. Mensah Otterbill. Read his books. Listen to messages of, of people like Pastor Matthew. Read, read his books. I'm like, how did they do it? Started studying the life of people like Adeboe. How did they do it in life? They've been in ministry longer than I have. 
What battles did they face? So when they say, don't carry, don't carry a girl alone in the car, I say, and then I'm not going to carry. Hallelujah. Let there be somebody with me so that I know. We, you know we live in the days of social media, right? People can create a story. And I want you to know, people can create a story and finish you off. So some things, you, you just go like, okay, how did they do it? How did they do it? How, how did they keep themselves away from this? And don't develop a habit of lying. Hallelujah. Don't develop a habit of lying. Say the truth. And you know what? When you find people like this who have been where you have been. I remember one time, you, you remember that story I told you when the girl dropped me and I was complaining to Patrick about that girl who dropped me in church. You remember that story? I went to meet somebody else. And I went with my soliloquy. Busy telling the story. This is what she did. And she did it like that. And she did it like that. And she did it like that. And this man just said, shut up, young man. You need to accept your mess. You continue like this, you will die. So you need to rise up. You, you need to accept that you went into this thing yourself. It hasn't worked. Now you need to begin to work on your life again. But if you come here and you came here to complain, I have no time for you, you can get out of my door. And I'm like, hey. So that's why that's where I took this anointing from. <laughs> Amen? Because I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and begin to sympathize and cry and go like, okay, so you are in debt. I remember meeting one young man one time. And, I'm, and he says, I am in debt. I am in debt. I'm like, oh, you're in debt. How much? He says, I don't know. I said, okay, let's sit down and, and list all the debts you have. And the person says, no, I'm very scared. I don't want to know how much debt I have. <laughs> I'm like, no, we will sit down. So we sat down and we started counting. I said, ah, so tell me, who else do you owe? Who else do you owe? Who else? And when the person was telling me, I, was, I wanted to say E, but I kept quiet. <laughs> I kept quiet. So we sat down there and we counted. I think by the time we finished, it was 28 million. I'm like, uh huh, no wonder you were scared. <laughs> so I said, now we need to find a way how you sorted this out. And you, you know what? That person is out of debt. But why? It's because when I left work, in 2016, at the end of 2016, I was in over 25 million kwacha in debt. So my talking to him, I was not talking to him things I haven't done. Because my life was a life that I had to go and appear at the bank at least once a week, the way people go to report for bail. You get what I'm saying? Church, auntie and mother. <laughs> I had to report every week, once a week, show up at the bank. I am here, I haven't run away. Aha, well done. Come back next week. I am here, I haven't run away. Come back next week. I am here, I haven't run away. And by the end of one year, I had paid back my 25 million. Amen. So when I sat down with him, I was not going to listen to, hey, I am scared. Because the scare, I was also in the scare. 
And that person is my good friend today. We talk. We laugh. And he says, and, and that person, I, I love it the way that person says, he says, I know, I know you don't lie. I know when you look at me, you feel good. You, you feel good. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I said, but it's nothing that I did. I gave you counsel. You listened to the counsel. You took it on board and your life turned around. Amen. Number three, surround yourself. In the atmosphere of hope, there is nothing you can do in life without hope. Amen? Even though your marriage is over, your business is gone, you have been caught in adultery and you've repented. I love Jesus. Jesus says, where are your accusers? He says, ah, they are all gone. He says, ah, okay. So neither do I condemn you, but one thing, go and sin no more. So if, if, if you've been drinking and all that, and then you've been caught drinking, because this walk with God, sometimes you begin, if that was your weakness, so you, 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 you say, I've come to God, I've come to Christ, you come to Christ, and then tomorrow you fall off, you have drunk again, don't cancel yourself out. Just come and say, like, you know what, I messed up again, I goofed again. And then we have to learn from that. So what really happened? And most of the times you find this. People who come to Christ and end up committing adultery again or end up drinking again or end up in debt again. Most all the times it's the friends they surrounded themselves with. Most of the times. It's the atmosphere they created. So I am saying surround yourself in atmosphere of hope. And this is one thing you need to tell yourself. The future will be great. Hallelujah. The future will be great. Proverbs 23, 18 says, For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. As long as you have hope, the future will be great. Even if the future will be great after you are gone, it will still be great. It's indeed the future. It's the future. It just means I had to do all the hard work. And others enjoy it. It's a future. Amen. And I want you to know the future will be great. I remember talking to my wife and others yesterday about something else. And, 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 and this one, please forgive me, but I just wanted to show off uh, to my wife uh, so that she can uh, feel that I'm still a great man. So she was saying about something else and I said, hey, honey. But, but I'm, I'm talking about the future. The future will be great. And, and I've seen God. He takes you step by step by step by step. And he brings you exactly where he intended to bring you to. Hallelujah. Number what? That one. That was number what? Number three, let's go number four. I'm rushing because I want us to pray. Surround yourself in the atmosphere of possibility. And why you have to do that is for one reason. You have God on your side. You know, when I pray to God, and I know you have heard me say this quite a lot in my prayer. I always say, God, you know what? Before the beginning began, you were God. After the beginning began, you remain God. And when the beginning has ended, 
When heaven and earth has passed away, you will always be God. You are God and no one created you. And like this, like this God that I'm talking about, like this God that I'm talking about, you decide to be my God. And to call me your child. Ah, the future will be great. You are immortal. You are eternal. You are invisible. The cars I see today, they were created by the invisible. The maze I see today was created by the invisible. That's what your word said. Ah, so God, I want to praise and exhort you. And there's one quote I love in my life, which was said by Corrie ten Boom. Corrie ten Boom was taken into a concentration camp. She was Jewish. Taken into a concentration camp and people were dying and people were dying and people were dying. But this is what Corrie ten Boom says. He says, when you are in the dark, remember what God said to you in the light. Because what he said to you in the light still stands. There's a lady called Linda, I think Linda Rando, if I'm not wrong. She says, the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. So sometimes when you are going through the darkest period of your life, remember what God said when you were in the light. What did he say? Because the Bible says he does not lie. He cannot lie. He is not a son of man that he should repent. He is God. Remember talking to someone else one time. I said, you know what, young man? God is exactly where you left him last time. He doesn't shift. He is the ancient of days. He is the king of kings. Don't let your life become hopeless. Because hope is what makes you to continue living. In the middle of challenges... I would disclose something else. And I know my, my, my kids are going to say, Daddy, so all this time you didn't say. But right now I'm going through an experience whereby one of the schools where my kids are withheld the school report because I didn't pay fees. Because I didn't have money. So they said, we're not releasing the school report until you pay spell money. And then on, in addition to that, they send you an invoice for next term. Including the money you didn't pay. And I'm here, I'm like, hey, hope, hope, hope. Ah, there must be God now. (laughs) Hallelujah. But do you know what? I have been in this situation before. The Lord has seen me through this situation before. And I know, I know, I know he will see me through. My brother-in-law one day laughed at me. Because last year, I think it was this year or last, this year. I was busy trying to sell the farm. There are moments when you try to sell the farm, it can't sell. You're like, ah, all this time you were busy looking for farms. When I want to sell, now you don't want to buy. But I was in the middle of that. Somebody sees my message on WhatsApp status. Farm for sale. Goats for sale. Cows for sale. House. There's also a house on the farm. And this one for sale. That one for sale. The person says, Pastor McDuff, why are you selling? I say like, ah, you know, Life. Says, no, if I were you, I wouldn't sell. I say, hey, look here. I'm selling. I will sell. But do you know what happened? This person 
sends me a message the following day. It says, like, after we talked yesterday, I go home. And I felt the Lord speak to me that I should pay fees for your daughter for this term. And the person said, paid the money. It was over $2,500. So when I, when I face this today now, I go like, ah, God, remember what you did last time. You can do it. Because the truth, God knows the truth is, I've had opportunities to steal. I've had opportunities to collect bribe. Come in my position one day, you see. But I refuse. Because I know where God has taken me from. And I remember telling somebody else, I said, you know what? I may have other weaknesses, but money is not one of my weaknesses. I am content with what I have. I'm satisfied with what I have. Even if I am in need, I am in content. I'm contented. And I've been in this situation and people have approached me with Pastor McGuff, I need help. And I sent. And I would have been thinking, ah, but God, this one I am sending, I needed to keep it for that school report now. And God say, release. And then he gives you dreams in the night. And you're like, Yes, I think yesterday for me was one of the best days in my life because I woke up with a lot of hope. I woke up in the middle of the night. I said, honey, I had a dream. I had a dream. Whether I was thinking, but I still dreamed. I said, I have a dream. And I told my wife the dream. It goes like, wow, that's a really nice dream. Then I slept. Then I had another dream. I said, I, I dreamed another one. So I told her the other dream. I said, write these ones down. They'll come to pass. They'll come to pass. And I can assure you, that's what I'm expecting right now. So when you see me, don't think, that's why I've confessed right now that I'm not taking bribe. I'm not stealing. I'm not doing anything else. So that when it happens, you go like, ah, he said it on the pulpit that he had a dream. Amen? So remember what God said when you were in the light. Every time you're going through a darkest period of your life. Because you will. Finally, number five. And then we pray. Get out of your curve. Staying in the curve. Once you have got all the hope. Will not help you. So, make a very bold decision. That I am getting out of the curve. Get out of the curve. After you have suffered a setback, what people tend to do is that they tend to withdraw. They will withdraw from the church. They will withdraw from everyone else. They will withdraw from that one. They will withdraw from that one. And then they go straight into the curve. Yes, it's true. You have lost your confidence. But I want you to know, you can't continue living in the curve. Hallelujah. Because continuing staying in the cave and go like, no, it shall be well. It shall be well. And you're still in the cave. No, it it will work. And you're still in the cave. No, 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 no. Get out of the cave. Take some action. So, I am in this 25 million kwaja debt. And it is my houseboy who tells me, zipana pasiro zima enda bino kwa senti. Zipana pasiro zima enda bino kuntandiri. And I'm thinking, hey, God. Like, uh, we go there. But I had to get out of the curve. 
I had to get out of the curve. I could have continued. Actually, that was the year that I almost died. If some of you remember that story. That was the year. Things were so tough. So tough. And it was hard. And the house you are living in, you are paying rent. 250,000 kwacha a month. There is no more income. Thank God the house belonged to a friend who decided not to chase us out of the house. Otherwise, they could have chased us. We would have been on the streets. And the story would have been a pastor of KICC evicted. And we were never chased out of the house. We stayed in that house. We were busy paying. We actually finished paying our rentals after we moved to our unfinished house. Because we said, now we have moved here. And a lot of you remember. Today, I just want to make you remember. Hallelujah. We move into our house and we are busy. It's a house. It was, at least we called it our house. But we are busy splashing water in our house. There was no ceiling. So there was lololo coming from the sky. Falling into, pa, and we would all run away. Lololo has fallen. And dad has to be carried just enough to kill the lololo. One day, I remember, we come back. I don't know where we went. We walk inside the house. We go into our bedroom, and my wife says, hey, honey. I'm like, what? Look on the corner. I'm like, what's on the corner now? <laughs> and you can guess, snake. Ah, this one I had to call the garden boy. Ah, uh, <laughs> I say, <laughs> So he came and killed the snake. And now that night, my wife is like, I'm like, what now? They killed it. <laughs> but you come in our house now, there's a ceiling. Lololo is no longer there. Ah, there was a future. Hallelujah. We are no longer splashing water and sweeping. Ah, now there are tiles. Somebody gave us, by the way. <laughs> there's a the future. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to know one thing. Get out of the cave. You stay in the cave with hope. Is it still a cave? Hallelujah church. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. And then I'll say a few things. How I feel like praying. Luke chapter 15 verse 17. This is a story about the prodigal son. He's gone. He has misused his life. Then he carries on. He says verse 17. But when he came to himself. Somebody say let me come to myself. Let me come to myself. Lord, help me to come to myself. Says, when he came to himself, he said, this is what he said to himself. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? When he came to himself, if you was proud, you would have said, hey, I'll, I'll continue eating the pig's food. But when he came to himself, he's all like, no, 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 no. The hired servants of my father, I've got more food. And here I am languishing. Let's carry on. I will arise. Somebody say, I will arise. I will arise. Say it one more time. I will arise. 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 Say it one more time. I will arise. I will arise. 
Where are you going to go? The Bible says, I will arise and go to my father. Hallelujah. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servant. What is this young man trying to do? He is teaching us one lesson. When you have suffered a setback and you have done the four things and now you are getting out of the curve, this is what you are doing. This is what you are telling yourself. You have to learn not to stay in defeat. Even though I'm not going to stay in defeat. It's true you have fallen. It's true you have suffered a huge defeat. It's true your business has crashed. It's true you have been caught in adultery. It's true your business is gone. It's, it's true your job is gone. It's true they have sacked you from work. They have dismissed you. It's true. But you know what? Don't make that your final resting place. Say, I will arise. arise. Hallelujah. Don't allow your current defeat and the embarrassment you will face to make you avoid taking a step towards your restoration. Because you know what? After that, when this young man arrived home, you know what? The hired servants were there. The tattered clothes he was wearing in. He was putting them on. And, and the prince now is coming to beg to be like a hired servant. But at least he had done one thing. He told himself, I am not going to stay in defeat. I'm getting out of the curve. Embarrassment or no embarrassment. Shame or no Shame. Ridicule or no? Ridicule. Reproach or no? Reproach. But the curve, I am getting out. I'm not going to stay in the curve. I've told my kids one thing. I know, not that I pray that they make mistakes in life, but, I, but because I made them, so I know they will. I say, there is no mistake you will make in your life that is going to make you less of my child. The only thing I pray for you When you have made that mistake, just arise and go back to who? My father. And when you come and we embarrass, I'll embrace you. And I'll tell you, it happens. The deeper the cut, the more you remember. But nothing can make them less of my kids. I love them to bits. And I do everything I can do to make their future better than mine. Amen? Don't allow fear, number two, to intimidate you. Any sort of fear only evaporates by the power of Christ. And that's what I have seen in my life. The things I have feared. I think I told you last time that we are born with only two kinds of fear. Every other fear is learned. The fear of loud noise and the fear of falling. Everything else fear you learn. A baby is born. They will make some noise. They throw her in the air or him in the air or whatever. Whatever they try to do. But just to check if the baby is alive. But they want to make sure. Every other fear. The fear of tomorrow. You learned it. The fear of failure. You learned it. 
The fear of success. You know, there are people who are so afraid of being successful. They go like, I saw somebody else. He became very successful. And the way he ended. Ah, me. Uh-uh. All that is land. And I, there is only one place where fear ever plays. It's in the place, presence of Christ. That's why he says, fear not. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's right hand is righteous. Amen? Sometimes this is what happens. This young man didn't know whether the father was going to accept his apology or not. So he was ready. If I go there and he says, yes, now you are like one of my high servants and you'll be calling me a journey, I'll be, I'll be showing up. Because sometimes you go and try to apologize to people and people refuse your apology. I told you how I was chased from the dormitory at Box 2, right? Even though I had done nothing. Ah, yeah, have you forgotten the story? I'm not going to tell you again. I'm not going to tell you again. But, but moments in life, you go to apologize. And people don't accept your apology. When you go to apologize, two things happen. Either your apology is accepted or your apology is rejected. Don't stand up and say, I'm going to apologize. And then you go there and you think, so pastor, forgive me. And, uh, hey, hey. and then you think, oh, that pastor say, oh, your apology is accepted. He may say, I refuse. So don't, don't allow that if that apology is going to be rejected, then you're not going to stand up. Go, stand up. Don't stay in defeat. Take a step. Move out. And don't allow the fear to intimidate you. And don't even allow your foolish pride to keep you from your destiny. Be humble. Be humble. Be humble. Go and apologize. I know there are some times when uh, my kids have said, so dad, you're not going to apologize. I said, nope. No, I'm not apologizing. That's foolish pride. And I go like, ah. And I'm still a pastor. Amen? You tell, we teach our children, say sorry. So later on, they begin to tell, say sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't, don't allow foolish pride. Even children of God. One of the things that has destroyed us a lot is foolish pride. And it has taken away the destiny of a lot of God's people. Finally, don't try to start from the top. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Don't try to start from the top. Be willing and be ready to start from the lowest level. The young man says, I will go back home and I'll be like what? One of my father's hired servants. That's the lowest he could go. Don't try to start from the top. Don't allow pride to try to make you want to start from the level where you fell at. Uli mungongole, but you want to be living as if in the way na majabwini. Uli mungongole. 
Hallelujah. Don't try and buy a new suit. If it is one shoe you have to be wearing for the next five years, ah, you are not the first one. The children of Israel also walked even for 40 years. Don't try to go buy a new dress. Go try to buy, buy a new shoe, whatever. If you have to be eating utaka for the next nine months, eat utaka for the next nine months. If the best you can eat over the next nine months is mazira, that's it. Don't try to make omelette. Let them know this is what you are eating. It's a facade. Who do we try to impress? When you know Amen. Amen, church. Don't try to show off to people. Don't try to live like the Joneses. You are the pities. They are the Joneses. Just, just live your life. Don't try to go borrow a car from somebody else and buy fuel. Take a minibus. 400 kwacha. You know, there were days when I could drop off a, a car and drop off Papa MRI and walk to Njewa. There were moments when I would walk from town to wherever. At the moments I walked from Dudu to Area 47. There were moments when I walked. We, we only had one car. I was, I was the one walking. There was one thing I gained. I really became very fit. So maybe you have been refusing exercise. And God has got great plans for your life. And he knows the way you are eating fat, you will not fulfill the destiny. So you say, let me take away the car. Let him walk. Hallelujah. Walk. It's called bus number 11. One, two, 11. One, two. You go. You arrive. I have walked. And it's not the first time I walked in my life. I walked. When I was a young man, I used to walk from Area 25 to City Center, seeking for help. Come to City Center, no help is there. Walk to Area 23. That's why I have a small body. I walked too much. (laughs) It's God trying to compensate. Now I come to Christ and he says, now you fast. I'm like, God. We need to be eating now. So no. Amen? Don't try to start from where you fell off. Start from the lowest level. Amen? No matter what the son had done, he still had the blood of the father in his veins. Your start is not your end. Your start is just your start. Amen? Sometimes life can give you a red card. But he won't be out forever. I've never seen a footballer, after being given a red card, who is out of playing football forever. God has given us some things that we learn from. How many games is a player suspended for? Three games? The fourth one, they what? They play. After red card, oh. But look at them when the red card is being given. Some of them kick a what and others what and most of them they don't go and sit on the bench they walk to go take a, take a shower tantrums 
after, after three games, they come back, they begin to play, they score a goal, and they, go like, yeah! and they have forgotten the red card. There will be a moment in your life when you forget the red card. 